Today is January 18, 2023. In this week's issue, the risk of acanthamoeba keratitis is significantly greater in daily wear contact lens users versus daily disposable contact lens users. Research productivity prior to ophthalmology residency is significantly associated with research productivity during and after residency. An American Journal of Ophthalmology study discovers a significant association between certain medication use and the need for cataract surgery. Detection of circulating tumor DNA in patients with uveal melanoma after undergoing plaque brachytherapy or enucleation may help predict risk of metastasis. Our first research summary comes from ophthalmology. Managing post-photorefractive keratectomy pain, a systemic review of pain control modalities. PRK may cause pain, but it's worth it for the sight gain. Advanced surface ablation procedures, including photorefractive keratectomy, also known as PRK, laser-assisted sub-epithelial keratectomy, also known as LASEK or LASEK, and epilaser-assisted in situ keratomyliosis, also known as epilasic or epi-LASIK, are associated with more post-surgical pain compared to LASIK, L-A-S-I-K. This is thought to be caused by greater exposure and injury of corneal nerve fibers. A systemic review of the literature from February 2019 to October 2021 identified 51 studies that met inclusion criteria for evaluating pain control or healing after photorefractive keratectomy. The consensus finding is that topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, also known as NSAIDs, and bandaged soft contact lenses are highly effective in reducing post-photorefractive keratectomy pain with minimal side effects. Conversely, systemic opioids provide similar pain relief, but come with the risk of addiction and other unfavorable side effects. Among the options available, high-potency oral NSAIDs like diclofenac may be the preferred medication for controlling post-operative pain. Additionally, systemic medications, topical anesthetics, and cold patches are more suitable as supplementary therapy rather than standalone pain management. Despite the challenges of objectively evaluating post-operative photorefractive keratectomy pain, notable improvements have been demonstrated with certain interventions, including topical and oral NSAIDs and bandaged soft contact lenses. Our next research summary comes from JAMA Ophthalmology. Correlation between pre-residency publications and future research productivity. Publication count in residency applications, pass or fail. Research is an important aspect of ophthalmology residency applications and is expected to become even more so following the transition to pass-fail scoring for step one of the United States Medical Licensing Examination. Despite its critical role in residency selection, little is known about the ability of pre-residency research to predict long-term academic productivity. To investigate this further, researchers search PubMed for articles authored by any one of 964 ophthalmologists who graduated residency between 2013 and 2016. Articles for each ophthalmologist were classified as pre, intra, or post-residency. Analysis of these data showed a moderate but significant correlation between pre- and intra-residency publications, as well as pre- and post-residency publications. 
These results suggest that publications before residency training are at least somewhat predictive of research productivity during and after residency. It is worth noting, however, that these univariate analyses did not adjust for the extent of resources available to trainees in medical school or residency. Care should be exercised when considering the academic potential of those who trained in less research-oriented institutions, as their opportunities to engage in meaningful research may have been limited. Our next summary comes from the American Journal of Ophthalmology. What drugs do ophthalmologists need to look out for in their cataract evaluation patients? Thought you could escape body medicine and ophthalmology? Think again. Cataracts are a leading cause of blindness worldwide. However, beyond steroid use, there is limited strong data on cataract development secondary to systemic medications. This retrospective cross-sectional study analyzed 14,931 participants from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey data from 1999 to 2008 to determine if there are associations between certain systemic medications and cataracts requiring surgical treatment. Comparing the 2010 participants who underwent cataract surgery to the other participants in the study, they were significantly more likely to be older, less educated, white, non-Hispanic women with diabetes, hypertension, and dyslipidemia. After controlling for demographics, socioeconomic background, and certain comorbidities, the study demonstrated that tricyclic antidepressants, insulin, and group 3 antiarrhythmics were the three drug classes with the strongest positive association with cataract surgery, while sex hormone therapy in women demonstrated the strongest negative association. Further studies can build upon these findings by conducting randomized clinical trials, classifying the type of cataract that required surgery, and evaluating medication compliance among participants. Our final research summary for this week comes from the Investigative Ophthalmology and Visual Science Journal. Could CT DNA measurements play a role in clinically managing uveal melanoma? Detection of circulating tumor DNA, also known as CTDNA, in plasma has become a new tool for minimally invasive diagnosis and monitoring of treatment response and recurrence in some cancers. This single-center retrospective study evaluated if CTDNA in plasma was measurable and provided clinically relevant data in 69 patients undergoing plaque brachytherapy or enucleation for uveal melanoma. CTDNA was detectable in 20 patients during the perioperative period, with a significant increase during the second and third day of brachytherapy, likely due to treatment-induced necrosis and apoptosis of cancer cells. Patients who developed detectable CTDNA levels during follow-up period of 21 months were significantly more likely to develop metastasis compared to patients with follow-up CTDNA that became undetectable. No association was found between detectability of CTDNA and tumor size, stage, or location. Limitations include a small sample size and exclusion of BAP1 in the multigene panel for detecting CTDNA. Results emphasize the potential for CTDNA as a biomarker for detecting metastasis before it is radiographically detectable, and the recommendation to include genes not classically associated with uveal melanoma in CTDNA gene panels. And to learn more about the lens, you can follow us on Twitter at at the lens underscore O-P-H 
and make sure to visit our website at www.lensophthalmology.com to subscribe to our newsletter and get our complete research summary for this week.